Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I can never pass up a chance to take a dig at you. I, it's partially because I was a following slut today. Um, I recorded that, thankfully. That's going to be our intro right there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, the show where we bring the heat up and in. If you don't like it, you can charge the mound. I'm your leadoff bat, David Mendelson, here with my protection, Art Tornabeni and Eric Mendelson. Art, what's going on? You know me. I'm your planalist. I'm, I'm the lead analyst with the planalist wearing flannelist. Uh, um, I'm doing good. I'm sitting in my basement right now. I finally got it back from my kids. We had all this, all this stuff for the backyard, just sitting in my basement. Now, you know, I, I'm in the dungeon and it's back to my place now. I got room to spread out. I'm feeling good. Uh, that didn't make any sense, but you know, I'm happy. You know, you're a rapper apparently now, which I didn't know. And, uh, I'm glad you have the dungeon back. Yeah, I got the dungeon back to myself, you know, get my kids stuff outside. We finally got the backyard finished uh, so that everything that was sitting in here is now in the backyard. And I got my place back. <laughs> We've got our other <laughs> part of our protection here. Eric Mendelson, what's going on, E? Uh, I am the three hitter. Y'all get on base and I'm driving you in. Uh, I, I've been a little bit on that arc grind uh did, did some cleaning around the house today and uh not a dad so you know just uh just trying to kill some time and some germs god if you're a three hitter we're in trouble um well appreciate everybody listening in tuning in we got a nice show for you guys on deck today we have closer chubby chaser or chicken we're going to talk about various closers job securities and label them into those three categories we're going to be doing this with our special guest this week, Scott Bogman from In This League, who's waiting in the hole. So make sure you guys are staying tuned for that. And then we hit clean up with our question of the week, which ballpark food is the best when you go to the ballpark? And last but not least, our mystery game. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Major League Baseball drew the ire of the Players Union Tuesday with an, eco an economic proposal that called for a significant cut in salaries that would affect all players and particularly the game's highest paid, sources familiar with ESPN. The long-awaited plan, which went back and forth to determine when baseball is going to return in 2020, proposed a marginal salary structure in which the lowest paid would receive close to a full share of their prorated salary and the game's biggest stars far less than expected. MLB's proposal called, called for these pay reductions on top of these already prorated salaries. To give you an example of what this would look like, LA star Mike Trout would be paid less than $6 million compared to the 19 plus he was already going to get prorated. These pay cuts are less severe for those that are lower paid, but for the higher paid, it's going to be a big, big cut. The mayor... Major League Baseball Players Association countered to this proposal by wanting to include more than 100 games in a full prorated guaranteed salary for 2020. Sources familiar with the union discussions told ESPN. The disagreement over economics has ratcheted up days after the league's first proposal uh, to the players on Tuesday. We are in a 
awful back and forth right now between the Players Association and Major League Baseball, kind of coordinating with Max Scherzer, uh, one of the eight most powerful player executives on the uh, Players Association subcommittee, tweeting out that he would not accept anything the union would be offering at this time, and they want the players to receive their full prorated salaries agreed upon. With that mouthful said, Eric, what do you make of everything going on? Are you worried that we may not have a baseball season? Well, not to sound pessimistic, but I've been saying that I don't think there's going to be a baseball season. I think that there's more issues that come than just the money, but I think that's the biggest issue. To me, it's really unfortunate because I think I understand the player's side of it, but as you know, the normal person that's going through this pandemic, um, you know, I think a lot of people were looking forward towards baseball, especially with the KBO back, to have some sort of entertainment and hope that America would come back to whatever we define as normal. Um, it's very unfortunate on the, the end of the owners because the players are the ones taking the risk and the ones that signed the, the sal- or the contracts where they agreed upon that salary. I honestly think that there are some owners that don't want this season to happen, that don't want the chance to lose money or to give in to the players as a form of appeasement for future CBAs or any type of negotiations. Um, it's just a really unfortunate situation. I hope by the time we do our podcast next week, we have a little bit of brighter news, but I think all the signs have been pointing to us not adding a season. And then, Art, what do you make of all this? Uh, this is just crazy. Do you think we're headed for a season, and, and what do you make of this back and forth? I think they're going to figure it out. <clears throat> it all depends on who's going to take the bigger haircut on this. The, the, the players, this strategy that the players are doing is an age-old pl- strategy for the players. Marvin Miller, the very first head of the union, uh, I heard an anecdote where it said, if you were going to be eating lunch at one of their meetings and they said, we're going to uh, get some 12 inch subs, Miller would counter with, no, 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 we want them cut into six inch subs. You know, just anything you counter, you disagree with, you want something different. And I think that's part of what we're seeing from the players union right now. They want to dictate the terms of this. However, I urge everyone out there to read the articles by Mike Ozanian on Forbes.com. He's a, he's a sports money analyst that Forbes has. Uh, there's a provision that he had read to him over the phone in the MLB agreement where should no fans be in attendance, the uh, prorated salary part is null and void. The players would engage in good faith negotiations around salary. Therefore, the agreement that's in March that everyone's talking about, that everyone says, hey, they agreed to this, that agreement's torn up. It's gone if there's no fans. So, Everyone needs to stop talking like that. That agreement is no longer is no longer worth the paper it was written on. It's toilet paper right now. We need to remember some facts about this. MLB owners are going to lose $1.1 billion this year with a 50-50 split. They're going to lose around $1.5 billion if it's prorated. That means each team is going to lose about $50 million uh, with prorated salaries. If we want baseball, we have to have owners, rich guys who are willing to to put their money out to put the product on the field. If we don't want, if, if we're if we're going to skip the season, we're going to skip the season, and the players probably are willing to do it. They have two hundred eighty-six thousand dollars in their pocket already from the one hundred and seventy million uh, uh, front on their salaries that they were given in in March from the owners. They all are sitting on two hundred eighty-six k for the season already. Now, the players countered the owner's proposal with a 110-game season, which would be, uh, which for them would make them a higher prorated, a uh, higher prorated in, uh, amount. This is designed to look like something that's going to get the owners more games, put some more money in their pocket. What is not really discussed when you discuss this 110 versus 82 games is that. Most of the money that MLB makes in a season is made in the postseason. So unless there's an expanded postseason, there's not going to be more money coming in. Uh, the other thing, when we talk about Mike Trout making $6 million instead of $36 million, or $19 million, I apologize, 
that we have to remember is that 65% of the players in the Major League Baseball make less than a million dollars. Those are the people who are going to be taking care of the best in the owners in the owner's uh, plan. Um, now, I'm not saying that the owner's plan is great. I think it's a start, negotiation start. Now, the player's plan is probably their negotiation start. It has to come together a little bit. The players don't want to take that much less, and I understand that. Uh, they signed a contract. They want to earn what they were scheduled to make for their contract. But the economic reality is much different. And the economic reality of the agreement that they signed in March is, is, shows that the agreement is now gone. There's no agreement. So we need to find a way for the players and the owners to come together. The owners have already started to creep towards the players. The players, they're going to hold their ground. They're probably willing to sit out the season. But I really hope they don't. Um, so, uh, you know, to go on for a little long there, I, I, I just had some thoughts. I think that uh, I think that the players need to move on their end, and then we'll get a season. And I really hope we do, for the reasons Eric pointed out. You know what we need to do? We need to get find out where the where they're holding the meetings and get a boombox and play the Beatles song. Come together. Exactly. Right now. <laughs> and it will happen. That's right. The Beatles have power. Yep. I don't know about you guys. I just, I feel like I'm about to run through a wall right now after that. Yeah. Like, are you, are you just literally fired me up? Like it's, it's nine Oh four here on the East coast and I'm supposed to be winding down for bed, but I'm about to like do something, like lift some weights or run through a wall, bash my head or something. And like, you got me fired up. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I mean, they're, they're, they're digging in their heels. Uh, and I'm sure the players think that the owners are going to crumble because baseball could become big again, could, like could jump up the rankings of sports if they come back now. It's a big opportunity for baseball, bigger for the owners and for the players, I think, of course. But it's a big opportunity with everybody sitting home and nothing new, no new content, no new shows, no sports. Baseball has a real opportunity here, and I think they – they need to grab it. Yeah, if they if they were looking for the long term perspective, if they're both on that that side of the coin, then I think that we can get a deal done. Because I, I think you're right. There's an opportunity for them to capture a market where they would have never had this opportunity before. I agree with everything you guys said, and nice analysis on that subject. Um, but we are going to move into the next part of our show with our special guests, the man. Scott Bogman, otherwise known as Bogman, co-host of In This League, and uh, just an overall great guy, uh, an amazing uh, time we had with him, talking about closer chaos and the value of closers this season and, and guys that you should take and guys you should maybe stay away from. Um, so we had a great discussion with him and think that you guys will enjoy the rest of the podcast with the Bogman. Also, of course, like we said, our question of the week and our game of the week. So please stay tuned for that. Before we get to our time with Scott Bogman, Eric, anything you would like to say to the listeners out there? Guys, weekly thing, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Trip Play Fantasy. Uh, thank you and you're welcome. Uh, also, if you're going to be mad at the players, that's fine. Just don't be mad at Jeff McNeil. Jeff, <laughs> you're an angel. Just keep on rocking, my man. And Art, uh, I I already I've already spoken too much. I, I need a drink. Uh, <laughs> I need a drink. All right. Well, we will catch you guys next week. Remember, leave that five star review. Please leave us a podcast review on Apple. That really uh, helps us grow and and helps support the show. So please, if you're enjoying the content, show us you're enjoying it. And if you leave a review, we'll be happy to shout you out. Where our reviews and, and ratings go up each week, and we are very appreciative of that. So we, were, we would like to acknowledge the people that are taking the time to do that. So thank you very much. And on that note, please enjoy the rest of our show with Scott Bogman. We welcome in Scott Bogman. Bogman is the co-host of InThisLeague.com Fantasy Sports Podcast, contributor at FNTSY Radio and Fantrax. 
Some fun facts about Bogman is he's a diehard D-backs fan. And if I understand, after every D-backs loss last season, you went to Carl's Jr. for a meal. So I, I got to say, you're, you were on to something there because I think if you're really connected to your baseball team, you personally take the punishment your team faces and you punish your own body. So I, That's right. <laughs> so every game last year they lost, you went to Carl's Jr.? Uh, I believe it was 77 trips to Carl's Jr. Now, I did have some people, you know, look, I'm not a skinny fella, you know, so I did have some people in my DMs or hitting me up saying, uh, you know, look, you're going to kill yourself, all this stuff. And uh, I'm like, guys, come on. Do you think I'm going and I'm getting a double Western bacon cheeseburger meal like after every single loss? I'm not doing that. Like <laughs> I'm making the videos after every time. So after every loss, I go to Carl's Jr. Uh, I get, you know, at least a thing of fries. I shovel down the fries and then, um, you know, make my goofy video. So I have 77 videos on my Twitter uh, from all of the losses from last season. And this year I was going to make up for it. I was going to do a mile on the treadmill for every D backs, uh, for every run the D backs lost by. I was going to do a mile on the treadmill. And lo and behold, no season so far. <laughs> so zero pounds lost. So, uh, you know. It's just the way it's gone. I'm going to have to do like simulate an MLB the show season to lose some weight here. So that's that's less satisfying, much less satisfying. Oh, yeah, it's not nearly as satisfying, but it is still punishing, which was the point. <laughs> After the season where you're like, I'm done eating Carl Jr. I have I not been back, dude. I have not been back. I, 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 I've been back one time and it was to get uh, bags for Carl's Jr. Because we ran this bit in January where I signed the bags and uh, send them to people that signed up on our Patreon. And this is what I did. So I live in an apartment complex. The office, uh, I brought them to the office. I said, will you give these to the postal carrier to send off? They said, oh, yeah. They shut down the office because of coronavirus the next day, and it still hasn't opened. So those stupid Carl's Jr. bags are still in the office sitting on that lady's desk, I think, unless she's thrown them away at this point. So uh, I'm going to have to figure they're supposed to open the office next week. So I'm going to go in and see if the bags are still in there because the people who signed up in January are still waiting for them. So, <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I, no. I, I appreciate it. Thanks boys. No, no, of course it's, it's, it's an honor to have you on and uh, hopefully we're going to give people some good content today. We have our main piece for the show today. Are they, are these people closers? Are they chubby chasers? Or are they chicken? Okay. So what I'm going to be doing with each of you guys is I gave you guys each four closers. And your job is you're going to be giving the analysis on each of those closers. Do you like drafting them early? Do you like drafting them at all? Is relief pitching important in fantasy? So uh, these are some questions I think that I want to address as we go along here. So um, the first guy that I want to bring up here is I gave to you, Bob, Josh Hader. So can you... Tell us, is he a closer? So is he top-notch, not going to lose his job? Is he a chubby chaser, which means is he going to be chasing that bag of money but loses his job maybe, someone else right behind him? Or is he going to be a chicken and the first time he starts closing, pretty much get scared, cowardly, lose the job, and give it to someone else? Nah, nah, hater's a closer. Hater's a closer. He's that number one guy in your tier. I think getting saves in a... I mean, as long as we get all this nonsense worked out and get a season going, uh, we should have, uh, I think you should be paying up for saves this year because we're going to have a tighter schedule. Things are going to run a little bit, uh, you know, closer together. So I think the saves are going to be spread out, but those upper echelon guys are going to be really, really good. So I, for me, uh, Josh Hader's the number one closer and he is absolutely a closer. Not, he's not chasing me and he's not chicken. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think, uh, Hader is the number one seed as far as closers go this year. So Bob, my question then is, are you worried about the potential rise of Corey Knable and but how good Freddie Peralta looked in spring training? And he just got a uh, contract extension from the Brewers is any part of you drafting Hater worried that those two guys could factor into saves? 
No, I mean, I think those guys will get saves. I don't think they're going to be nothing, but I think that the bulk of save ops are going to go to Josh Hader. So uh, I understand that some people are worried about that. I mean, I'm not as plugged in uh, on the Brewers as Brewers fans and stuff like that. But uh, so I do think they'll be a factor. But I think every team has those guys. You know, every team has those uh, eighth, seventh, eighth inning guys that are really, really good. But uh, I think haters going to be getting the majority of the saves. So this was a regular season. I would pencil them in for 40 saves. So Bogman's drinking that haterade, literally drinking it. (laughs) Uh, Our next one is for you. Kirby Yates. Is he a closer, a chubby chaser, or is he a chicken? I like I like Kirby Yates as a closer. I think San Diego has a great bullpen lined up this year with Drew Drew Pomeranz, Andres Munoz, and Emilio Pagan. Uh, And there's been some concern, some people talking about with that deep of a pen, uh, would would Yates' job be in trouble? I don't think so. Yates has been lights out since they traded Brad Hand a year and a half ago. My big concern with Yates is if San Diego stinks, they're going to trade him. I would imagine he'd be a closer wherever they trade him, but it's not necessarily the case. He could be traded to a team like Milwaukee where they just want to stack up their pen or something like that. I think Yates, though, probably dead set is the number two closer this year. I think he's been great since he had it. For me, he's going to keep the job all year long. So you're not worried about their stacked bullpen, as you alluded to, and that the Padres in a shortened season might want to – uh, they're going to probably throw all their bolts in the chamber to contend. So if Yates is starting out of the gate cold, you don't think that they turn quickly to a different option? I don't think he's going to start cold. I mean, this is a guy who has 392 strikeouts to 90 walks in his career. That's 4.3 walks per strikeout. This is a guy who just brings strikeouts and he doesn't walk a lot of guys. I like him as a closer this year. I think he's going to keep the job. I don't see him losing it. Okay, Eric, our next one we're going to talk about Liam Hendricks for the Oakland Athletics. There Now there's a history of the dooming of a closer with the Oakland Athletics, having had new league leaders and saves for that team. Uh, I think I believe it's nine consecutive seasons. So the floor is yours, Eric. Make your case for Liam Hendricks. Well, first of all, he was my free agent pickup last year, but I do have him as a, as a chubby chaser. Um, some good – some good notes from last year. He had 13.1 strikeouts per nine innings. He allowed five home runs in 85 innings, so very good at keeping it in the park. And the uh, Athletics got rid of Blake Trinan. Um, I do have some concern, though. You mentioned uh, that the A's seem to have a new uh, closer each year. Uh, the last time that a uh, person led the A's in saves in consecutive seasons was 2012-2013, uh, Grant Balfour. Um, his, last year was his first closer role at age 30, and I like some of the names in that bullpen. Lou Trevino um, was a fantasy asset at the beginning of last year. Joaquin Soria has had some closing experience. Uh, Yusmero Petit, uh, I think, can get a save here and there. And Jake Diekman led the league in holds last year. So kind of like what you had mentioned about Kirby Yates, that he gets off to a slow start. Um, I have that concern about Hendricks. You think he's a chubby chaser? I do. Okay, back to Bog. Give us your analysis on Kenley Jansen. I, I think Kenley Jansen is a closer, too. I know he had a couple of hiccups over the last couple of years. Obviously, he had the heart ablation surgery and all that stuff going on, which kind of affected him. But um, I think that, you know, the Dodgers, uh, to the annoyance of me and a lot of other D-backs fans, are really damn good. And they should win a ton <laughs> of games. And, you know, uh, the Giants are pretty bad. The, uh, you know, the, the Padres are rebuilding. Uh, the Rockies are okay. And the Diamondbacks are a little better than okay. So the Dodgers are going to eat in this division with wins again. Um, and, um, you know, playing against the Mariners, if we get this season underway a bunch, if they're doing this, you know, weird uh, coastal setup that has been proposed, uh, they're just the Dodgers are going to win a lot of games. So uh, Kenley Jansen should be at the forefront of getting all those saves. And I believe in him, even though he's had some hiccups over the last couple of years. So he, to me, he's a closer for sure. So this isn't the year that Kenley Jansen goes down with the ship. He's not going to 
just completely lose it and, and have Blake tried and come in there and take his job from him. I don't think so. No, I mean, Blake uh, Trinan is uh, with all those teams that have big payrolls, you know, uh, and decent closers. uh, You have to kind of be aware of those backups because they are upper tier backups. But, uh, you know, Chapman, I think, should be fine. Jansen should be fine. Um, You know, Kirby Yates has a little bit of the a lot of people drafts in Pagan uh, at the end of standard drafts or head to heads, which I'm not really understanding. But because I don't think Kirby Yates gets dealt this year. But, um, I mean, they're working. Uh, the, the Padres are not far away from being a decent contender, especially with all the pieces they have uh, in their minor league system. So uh, I think those upper-tier guys, you got to buy them this year. Gonna be, it's going to be a rough one should we get baseball going. Okay, next one we're going to touch on. Art, this is for you. Brad Hand of the Cleveland Indians. I, my biggest concern for Brand Hen would have been Emmanuel Classe. He got an 80 game suspension for Peters. Yeah, <laughs> in an 80 in an 82 game season, an 80 game suspension. I can do math. Just that math. That's pretty. He's out. Close to all of it. <laughs> uh, now there's a uh, James Karinchek uh, is a big strikeout guy. He's a uh, 100 186 Ks and 102 innings pitch in his minor league career. Uh, but he also has a really high walk rate. He's a guy who I think might be a closer in the future. For this year, I still have hand up there. He had some concerns. He was losing some velocity at the end of last season. Maybe this is a year where he has to go and uh, be a little bit more wily. But I don't see anyone obviously taking it from him without uh, without that uh, Emmanuel Classe there this year. And is he a closer, chubby chaser, or is he a chicken? You know, I, I got it. So Chubby Chaser means that if he starts to stink, he's gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing that the person's like chasing that fat bag of money. And then but they're not looking behind them. And that is their- not what you're picturing. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what you're picturing. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm picturing something else. Yeah, me too. We've all been there. Yeah, you know, I I think I I consider Hand to be their closer just because I don't see the competition, I don't see the uh, the the buddy who might who might steal the chubby chubby from him. <laughs> There's no uh, hands the grenade. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um, we're going to uh, from Brad Hansu. You could talk about a literal grenade last year, and Edwin Diaz literally looked like he blew up. Every single chance he got. Uh, so, Eric, what's Edwin Diaz this year? Edwin Diaz is a chicken. Do you want to make the noise? Oh, thank you. So, I think Edwin Diaz is drafted where he is because of his really good one and a half years in 2017, 2018, where he had 91 saves. But I look at his metrics last year. He had a 5.59 ERA, which is higher than those two years combined. Last year, he gave up a major league record 15 home runs in the ninth, in the ninth inning. Um, that is an alarming number for me. Uh, last year, he had one save after August 15th, and that was on the final day of the season. In that time, Seth Lugo had six saves, and I think that was more of a, we're still in it. We like Seth Lugo as a setup guy, but he gives us the best chance to secure these games. You add in Dellen Patances to a bullpen that already has Yuri's Familia with closing experience, Justin Wilson as a lefty specialist, and Brad Brock that has high, that has worked in high leverage situations, albeit for a bad team in the Orioles. Um, I'm 100% staying away from Diaz. I feel like that we're going to have some disagreement on the panel for that one. Do you guys, either Art or Bogman, do you guys disagree with the chicken take for Edwin Diaz? I like Diaz's price this year. So, I mean, I don't I don't know that I disagree with calling him a chicken because his season was so terrible last year, but I don't think you have to buy him where he was last year, nowhere close to that because of that really crappy season that he had last year. So, I like his price, but he is of course dicey like Eric mentioned. So, and they just wore him out in Seattle, which was really the problem is uh, they, they, uh, you know, he got too many innings without a lot of experience. And, uh, I think he's just worn ass out. So this year, I mean, he's got a long enough break, right? Uh, with no playoffs and the long layoff and all that stuff. So uh, he has a chance to really pay off for you for his, 
uh, current cost. But um, he is he is a risky buy. Speaking of buy lows, we're going to go right back to Bogman. And you got to tread lightly this one because we have a Cubs fan on this panel, Craig Kimbrell. Oh, Craig Kimbrell, you know what? Um, I, I'm I'm buying. I'm buying on him. So I don't know if I would call him a chubby chaser uh, because you don't have to get him in that elite closer range. So I think that's probably what I would go with. I mean, I know the ERA was up over six last year. But once again, this is a guy that took too much time off, I think, by holding out and not signing with the Cubs till, you know, a couple months into the season last year. And it really screwed him up. The best thing that Kimbrell did last year was teach Darvish the knuckle curve because his on-field presence was terrible. So uh, I, I like him for this year. Obviously, they've all had a long layoff here, but I would think he learned from last season's uh, hiccup, and he is going to get back on track this year. So I have been buying up Kimbrell because his price is uh, really decent, especially when I haven't got – I like to double-tap closers if I can, uh, upper-end uh, closers if I – can but um sometimes you know you pick in a weird range or a weird spot and you're on the end and you can't you have to follow the run you can't start it and kimbrell's the guy that i've had in many many mocks so bob are you worried that his velocity was down and that if his velocity isn't what it once was he's not going to be able to blow people away like he has in the past yeah i mean i think that's something that you have to worry about but if i remember correctly and you know it's it feels like it was six years ago but i think in the spring he was okay as far as velocity went so uh if he's back up to where he should be i think he's going to be the same craig kimbrell that we saw in atlanta for so long and um and boston so uh hopefully more atlanta than boston but um i think he could be pretty damn good for his price this year i like it so we'll move to our next one and art this is one of my heart throbs this year so I expect you to talk him up nicely. Nick Anderson of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, one of my big guys this year. Go ahead. I just can't talk him up. When you look at what Tampa Bay has done with their closers, the last two seasons they had six guys with at least two, three guys with at least two. Last year they had three guys with at least seven. Two seasons ago they had three guys with eight. Um it seems like Kevin Cash likes to spread the saves around. Now, I love Nick Anderson's – what he did when he got there. He had 41-2 K to walk rate, but that is not what he showed when he was in, in Miami before then. They still have uh, – all the people who are listening to us, just because we have Bogman on, they will remember Alvarado. They still have <laughs> Alvarado. They still have Diego Castillo. Both of them saved eight last year. Uh, they still have Colin, Colin Posh. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Pachi. Pachi. Okay, they still have Colin Pachi, who they gave save chances to with Nick Anderson on the squad last year. They didn't give Anderson save chances last year. I mean, I I love the talent he showed. He that forty-one to two, that's sexy as hell. But they're not. They didn't give him save chances, and they like to spread it out anyways. I don't see him taking the job, and I don't think that they have someone who was really gonna grab it uh, right away, anyways. Art, it's so less about. It's less about uh, Nick Anderson and more about the Rays, right? I mean, because Anderson's super talented. But if you guys ever saw that episode of South Park, the bailout episode, where uh, at the very end you realize that they're just cutting the head off a chicken, letting it run and fall on something, then they're going, bailout! That's how they, that's how they hand out starts and save opportunities and uh, playing time in Tampa Bay. That's how they do it. So you never know what to expect. Oh, you guys are just yeah, crushing my soul right now. It, it, it sounds like David has never drafted a raised pitcher, so he doesn't know what to expect. <laughs> that's that's probably true. I, I just think, I, I mean, Tampa Bay has the magic. I know, are you referenced? He didn't do that in Miami. But I feel like Ray, the, and forgive me for this sound effect I'm about to make, but I feel like the Rays have this little magic touch with when they get the, the pitchers that they just transform their careers. Obviously, Tyler Glass now is a, a big case of that. It's I just if you have someone that's that dominant, I think he had a, a 15K uh, per nine last year once he got there. I just if you have someone that talented and, and we kind of saw that Emilio Pagan kind of got the majority at the end of the year last year. I think if you have someone that's that dominant and running away with it, maybe he won't get 100 percent of the saves, but maybe he gets 80 percent. With a team like the Rays, who 
usually seem like they have a lot of save situation games. I just, I don't know. There's, there's just something about, I see Nick Anderson and my heart just melts. We're going to have to do a follow-up after the season with Bogman on, and we're all going to torment you for how you didn't listen to us for how the Rays pull your heart. <laughs> well, they also like to use those the best pitchers in high-leverage situations. So That's very true. I think from a, a – he should lead the team in saves, so I think you're right there. Uh, but I think his cost is appropriate uh, for what you're getting out of him right now because I think in a shortened season you probably get you know 10 to 12 saves out of him, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the league leader is probably going to get something like 25 or something like that. So right. he's probably middle tier, like his ratios, his ERA will be fantastic. He just won't have that counting stat, which is what we want, especially in Roto. Right. Let's move on to we got a four more we're going to get through here. So, Eric, take us with Alex Colome from the Chicago White Sox. So I think he's the closer. And on previous pods, I've talked about how much I like him. I think he is a consistent number two closer. He is nothing sexy, but he's very efficient. Last year, 30 for 33, which was 91% on save opportunities, which was second in the majors. He has over 100 career saves, so he's kind of established himself. Um, had 47 in a season with the Rays a few years ago. Um, he's only 30 years old. I, I think sometimes we get lost in age, but I, I think at 30, you're not going to worry about any velocity drip or velocity drop. And I'm, I'm looking at the depth chart. Last year, Aaron Brummer and Kelvin Herrera each only got one save. So I think that it's his to lose. I think he's shown consistency over time. I don't think he's a sexy name playing for a sexy team, but I think he's going to give you consistent production. Colome or Anderson? Uh, Colome, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's where I would go. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I like Colome as well. He's, he's had three of the last four years, he's had over 30 saves. I think, you know, the managers still like to get, go with guys who have done it before, and he's done it before. Let's move to our next one, Jose LeClerc. Bogman, Jose LeClerc is as mixed bag as they come. So where are you putting him in what category? This one is so tough because I feel like he's going to uh, – he should lead the team in saves, right? But – he lost a job last year. His ERA was garbage, uh, but he really came on at the end of the season. Again, this is a dude that you dropped midway through the year when he lost the job and couldn't get anything right, but he straightened it out midway through the season and regained the job. So um, uh, I, I think he would be uh, like a chicken chaser. You would have to put him in that back end there. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I haven't bought him in many spots because uh, he – Lost that job last year, but they don't have many other options in Texas. So um, I think he's a, a decent buy at the end, or if you're in an auction, you know, throw a couple bucks on him. But I'm not going out of my way to draft Jose LeClerc. So I'm uh, I'm with you on that. And the Rangers have the most frustrating closure situation at the beginning of the year. I've been yeah. following it from people like Keone Kella. Uh, Sean Tolleson, Neftali Feliz, people that end the year well that you think are going to start out, and they just in they just bomb from the beginning. And they and give that job up real quick the next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what they say: you don't have to be the prettiest girl in the bar, but you just have to be the only girl in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think I get anything done, boys? <laughs> I don't want to call him a girl, but he is my side piece this year. Giovanni Gallegos. If Nick Anderson is my main piece, Giovanni Gallegos is my side piece. Art, where are you, be careful where you put him. Where are you putting Giovanni Gallegos? Uh, I think he's going to start the season with a job. I I'm, I'm I put him in that, that chubby chaser category. Now, I was looking up uh, Jordan Hicks is supposed to be coming back beginning of July from his uh, Tommy John recovery. He's been throwing bullpen sessions. He is a diabetic though. And I don't, I, I was reading an article by Rick Hummel of St. Louis post dispatch who said that could complicate with coronavirus. And I don't know anything about that, but uh, that's just something to consider. But I do think Jordan Hicks is actually has a more live arm and would be a better option as a closer if, uh, if he's up there. But I think Gallegos is going to start the season um, at, with the job. But I also think that St. Louis has a lot of good options in the bullpen. 
they are going to have uh, Alex Reyes in the bullpen as well. And if Reyes comes gets back to a little bit of the performance he was doing in 2017 and 2018, he's a far superior pitcher. So I like him, but I think he's he's primed to lose the position. Carlos Martinez might didn't he get a few save opportunities at the end of last year as well? He but I believe that he's going. Yeah, he's going to the rotation. I think. Yeah. 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 He is because that's uh, until they said because he. He put out this like threatening thing. It almost sounded like where I expect to be a starter this year. I was like, well, he can expect all he wants. But until they say anything, I'm going with Carlos Martinez as the closer. But they said they're going to give him the starting opportunity this year. So, I mean, if he sucks as a starter, they could throw him right back in the bullpen and Gallegos doesn't get it done. But I don't think I could trust Hicks uh, coming off the TJ this year, you know, maybe next year, but not right away. So I, I think it is going to be guy goes, but it's like by default. Okay. Right. Um, and then let's touch our last one here. Eric may not get a ton of saves, but he's got some stuff. Joe Jimenez of the tigers. So he, to me is a chubby chaser and he is the guy where I think that you should sell high on him in the beginning of the season. Last year, Shane Green set the record for uh, quickest to get seven saves. Obviously, Shane Green got traded. Um, last year, the Tigers won 47 games, and they had 38, uh, 38 save opportunities, which is 81%. So they're going to play a lot of close games, even if they're not winning them. Um, Joe Jimenez has had a 4.3 ERA the last two years, um, so I, I can't say I'm crazy about that. I look at their other options, and some of them, Buck Farmer, Gregory Soto, Jose Cisnero, a lot of, not a lot of service time, so it's kind of a, a mixed bag because you don't know what they're going to have. They could be a really good closer, but they couldn't be good. So I think Joe Jimenez is going to start out. I think if he gets some saves and if, if he has a low ERA to start, he's the type of guy where you're going to want to trade and get some value for him before he potentially implodes and the job isn't his. I like that analysis. So what we're going to do to close this segment out, 30 seconds or less, I want you guys to tell me, do you like drafting closers and do you like taking them early if you do? And do you believe that drafting relief pitching is important in fantasy or do you just like streaming relief pitching? I know that's a mouthful, but do you like drafting them? And if you do, how early? And is relief pitching important to draft in fantasy or can you just pick up guys and stream them? So Bogman floor is yours. Uh, I, I think it's important to draft them and I don't have uh, great numbers to back that up, but I know that my best teams are always the ones where I have those upper tier saves and I just don't have to worry about it. I don't have to spend time on the wire snapping them up or anything like that. So I like to get, Upper echelon guys, couple of those guys, and then take the bottom of the barrel, Joe Jimenez's and guys like that at the very end of the draft just to see if one of them pans out afterwards. So uh, that's what I like to do. And you're still, no matter if you have them or not, you're still chasing them on the wire. So um, that that's my strategy. But they are going, because we do the mocks, are going earlier and earlier and earlier. And it's going to hit a tipping point pretty soon here where they're not worth the investment. Art? I... I have gone both directions on this. I think that um, I think though that when you're not drafting uh, at least some solid closers, you're spending way too much time, way too much effort on your season. You gotta you gotta remember there's there's two parts to your team. You got your draft, and then you got your management throughout the season. If you're spending your whole season trying to find someone to fill those RP spots on your roster, you're having a tough time because. You might be out there going, I got one guy to drop. There's a good RP out here, or there's a prospect I want to pick up. And you really want to make that decision? I don't want to make that decision too many weeks out of the season. I want to have a couple guys who I can rely on. This year, I'm liking the Craig Kimbrell. I'm liking Alex Colomay. Colum I'm liking, um, I'm liking uh, um, uh, it, Minnesota's uh, – uh, not, name's not coming to me. Rogers. Uh, yeah, Rogers in Minnesota. I'm liking sort of the the guys who I think have the job in that second tier. So I'm not drafting my first seven eight rounds, but I like to have get guys who I think are going to hold on to the jobs. So that way I'm not chasing them all season. And Eric, close it out. I think that you need to get at least one surefire relief pitcher, a Hater, a Roberto Ozuna, that we've mentioned that's going to have their job security barring injury or a major meltdown. I like getting a second one, like a Razio Iglesias, where he has a pretty good firm handle on it. 
My third, I'm okay with streaming because there's people like Hendricks that are going to be a closer, Daniel Hudson, Seth Lugo that are going to get save opportunities. And to me, if you can keep that third spot or if you have more than three relief pitcher spots and stream, get a Giovanni Gallegos or a pitcher that has a safe floor that, that doesn't get, you mega, that doesn't get mega, many negative outings, you're maximizing your opportunity to get points. I like the analysis. That was some great chicken chubby chasing closing talk right there. So, <laughs> that was a nice job, gentlemen. Let's, That's the most appropriate chubby chasing uh, talk there's ever been on a show. That's true. That's true. David, you pulled it off. We're, we're pro chubby chasers on the triple play fantasy. How could he not show. be? Come on. True story. We'll, we'll slide into now to uh, the DMs of the question of the week. So this week's question, you're at the ballpark, you sat, you hear the sound of baseball hitting the glove, you see the fresh cut grass, your tummy starts rumbling, you're like, I got to go get some grub. What's that first food that comes to your mind that you're like, I'm grabbing three of to go back to my seat with? So Bogman, I'm going to start with you. Guys, this question is so much more complicated than when you should buy closers. I mean, come on, let's be real. (laughs) especially for uh, a big dude like me and, you know, going to spring training games, all these, you know, living in Arizona and having all these spring training facilities around, they all offer some type of, you know, uh, variety. There's always something different. I I love, I mean, I don't because it's so damn far. The Welsh lives right next to it though. The ballpark in surprise because the Rangers and Royals play there. So there's all kinds of barbecue every single time I go there. So that's fantastic. But I mean, you guys followed the D-back social media stuff. You know all yeah. the ridiculous nonsense that we have um, with the, you know, uh, habanero dogs and the D-bat dog, which is as big as a damn bat, which I've downed, by the way, of course. So, um, I mean, I didn't. I here's the reason why I didn't like the D-bat dog because it was twenty five dollars and it took an hour to get. It was just ridiculous. Like if there's one thing that'll get me away from a food that is really good, it's waiting on it. I I don't do lines very well. I don't like that stuff. So I tried it once. It's basically a a giant corn dog. It's like a two foot corn dog and it has jalapeno and cheese in like the corn dog crust part. It's pretty strong. But I think if you're going to a, 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 a ballpark and you're an American, it's a hot dog. You know, uh, a hot dog is what you got to get. I mean, Dodger dogs, you know, everywhere. Um, I know San Francisco is famous for their garlic fries, and we stole that bit from them at Chase Field and had some garlic fries for a while, too. Um, Hard to nail down one answer, but I think hot dog is probably what you have to go with. I should have had you go last, Bogman, because you (laughs) you got it down. (laughs) I don't think we can top that. All right, go ahead and try no, I'm, I'm just going to go with my Homer pick. I grew up a Cubs fan. I'm from the Chicago suburbs. Uh, the hot dog in Wrigley Field is Vienna beef. Um, and uh, if you go to certain spots, they, they have fresh fries that they shove in the bun with the mustard and relish right on top of it. So you can kind of eat the whole thing. Uh, it's delicious. Uh, it's the best hot dog. My favorite hot dog. I don't, I'm not going to come up here and say it's the best one. It's my favorite hot dog. The Wrigley dog is my favorite one. To eat at the ballpark. Art, I've got a Portillo's right down the street from me. There's two oh in Arizona, gosh. and one of yeah. them is right down the street from me. You should. That is. That is. That's why I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight. <laughs> they, they put a Portillo's in over here. They put a Culver's from Wisconsin down the street from me, and they. Ju- I haven't been to it because of the lines, but six months ago they put in a White Castle, uh, oh. which is like only in Michigan. And so, uh, I mean. They expect me to lose weight. There's a Whataburger down there, too. What am I supposed to do here? I don't have self-control, clearly. <laughs> oh, well, I, I feel like it's a blessing that, at least in Baltimore, there's none of that. It's just all kind of just trashy food around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'll get stabbed. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you talking about? It says greatest city in America on the benches. <laughs> You're right next to the needles. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what's your food? You know... I like hot dogs, but they're not very filling. Uh, I like nachos, especially some chili nachos. Very filling. You can just sit and scoop them on your lap, have them with a nice shock top. I'm happy. 
I wasn't asking your favorite drink. That's not the question. No, they go well, shock top is not hard to beat. Um, that that that's solid. When I went, I went to the All Star game in in uh, Anaheim, and uh, we stacked shock tops during the home run derby. You know, like uh, the had to come and say, "Hey guys, stop doing that." You know, uh, <laughs> we had pretty high and uh, the nachos. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get ballpark nachos most of the time because I live in Arizona. So, you know, I can just go to many, many a Mexican food place here and get good ones. But, yeah, it's hard to beat. That's pretty good. So I may be influenced because my girlfriend is sitting next to me eating a big slice of cake and ice cream right now. <laughs> um, so my mind may be going to where I normally wouldn't pick, but. You get that big, drippy ice cream cone at the ballpark. It's like a hot day, and it just tastes that much better while you're sitting out, and it's, it's just melting in your mouth. I, I think, you know, the pizzas are small and overpriced. The hot dogs are gone like that. So I, I think I have to go the sweet route, and I have to go that nice, whether they, they give you a cone or they give you, like, that nice sundae in, in the little box or whatever they give you. I, just, I love eating the ice cream quick, and then you feel refreshed and and focus on the game with my sugar high. Arizona, you have no choice but to eat it quick. That will yeah. melt in six seconds here. <laughs> when are they going to have the technology to keep your ice cream cold while you're at the ballpark? That's, That's what I want. The Dippin' Dots. The Dippin' Dots. <laughs> That's not ice cream. Liquid <laughs> nitrogen ice cream. <laughs> That's super scientific. Um, you just got to scarf it. You scarf it and then get the nitrogen after that. <laughs> Let's move to our last segment here real quick. Eric's going to take over our game of the week. So, Eric. What is our game of the week this week? So, it is called Odd One Out. So, David, you can't play. Thanks. <laughs> that was He's got to get in shots when he can. But um. So, guys, I got seven questions here. For each question, I'm going to give you four players. Three of the players have done what I, the question I've asked, and one has not. So it is your job to figure out. Each question you're going to get 25 seconds for, and then we're going to go over it at the end. Sound good? Sounds, Sounds great. Good. Okay, the first one. Which of these, and since it's uh, we did closer theme, uh, that is what the questions will revolve around. So the first one. Which of these pitchers did not have 40 saves in a season? 40 or more. Was it Jonathan Papelbon, our boy Matt Caps, Roberto Osuna, or A.J. Ramos? 25 seconds on the clock. I'll entertain you guys. My girlfriend is eating, it looks like an Oreo cake, and she's eating baked Ben and Jerry's. So every listener out there, if you haven't got ice cream right now. Well, now I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 25 seconds is up. Question number two. Which one of these pitchers did not pitch past 40 years old? Was it Troy Percival, Joe Nathan, Tom Gordon, or Trevor Hoffman? 25 seconds on the clock. Well, that class on the clock, Tom Gordon could be on next week, so stay tuned as a potential uh, sneak preview for you guys. Look at the that. original Flash Gordon. All right. Five more seconds. All right. The next question. Which one of these pitchers does not have 300 or more saves in their career? Is it Rob Nen, Armando Benitez, David's favorite player ever, Houston Street. Or oh, Todd my God. Jones. Who's the last one? Seconds now. Todd Jones. Todd J- For those of you who aren't aware, David has tweeted Houston Street multiple times to be on this show. Houston has responded, but nothing more. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, no. don't undersell the fact that Houston Street said he was coming on three separate times. <laughs> and, then, and then it has literally flaked. So. I was at Houston Street's uh, uh, big league debut, or I guess his first professional game ever. After he got drafted, the Welsh and I went to go see him at uh, the um, Phoenix Muni when the A's were still playing there. And uh, he threw he threw an inning there against Gonzo and a couple other D-backs uh, way, way back in the day. So I'm a Texas fan, so I was excited to see Houston Street. He's one of those few guys 
I think he's one of the few guys that didn't play any minor league games. I think him and Drew Storen were like the last mm-hmm. two guys that never played minor league games. Is that right? I didn't know that. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Question number four. Which one of these pitchers has not won a Cy Young award? Is it Eric Gagne, Sparky Lyle, Lee Smith, or Dennis Eckersley? 25 or 20 seconds. Who was the seconds second the guy? Conference. Sparky Lyle. Oh, I feel like you can't trust someone named Sparky. That would be. David, Why don't you tell us more about your answer away? You're tell us I, more I, about the uh, the food you, there, David. You said I'm not playing, so I'm just literally <laughs> voicing my thing oh, out there. Well, that was a joke. Oh, I wasn't playing this whole time because you literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you didn't hear me say that was just a joke. No, I'll, I'll just help the I'll help referee. Hop in for these last three, then. Okay. All right. Question number five. Which one of these pitchers has not had a season with a five-plus ERA? Is it Kenley Jansen, Mariano Rivera, Francisco Cordero, or Billy Wagner? Time starts now. Ah, I think a good one for me to hop in on. I knew that. Wow, David, I am sorry. At the beginning, I thought you heard me say that it was just a joke. No, dude, you can't. I, I don't know. He I can't all, tell sarcasm. He was eyeballing that ice cream. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you guys could see this ice cream right now. He's just. All right. She's, she's housing it right now. That is enough. Question <laughs> number six. Finish it up so you can't have any. Which one of these pitchers never pitched in the AL West? Is it oh. Brian Fuentes? Jason Isringhausen? Raphael Soriano or Bob Wickman? Those are some throwback names, Eric. Nice research. I, it took me a solid hour to do this research. <laughs> I'm surprised it only took that long, to be honest. Yeah. I, it's a good, I stopped at seven and I was like, that's enough. <laughs> well, lucky seven, man. All right. And the last question, which one of these pitchers was not an all-star? Was it Brad Boxberger, Neftali Feliz, Takashi Saito, or Joe Borowski? You start with, like, two huge names and then two, like, guy. Like, you have to be a real baseball fan to know those. Two huge names. Who are the first two names? Brad Boxberger and Neftali Feliz. Yeah, wow, what rock stars those guys are. (laughs) (laughs) And then Takashi Saito, and who was the last one? Joe Borowski. Borowski. Yeah. All right, time is up. So, first question, 40-plus saves in a season. You guys want to guess? No, just tell us the answers, and we'll we'll count at the end. Okay, Uh, it was Roberto Osuna. Roberto Osuna has Ah. had seasons with 39... 38 and 36 saves, but never 40. Okay. Oh, for number one. Two, number two, <laughs> the pitcher that did not pitch past 40 years old, Troy Percival, retired at 39. I guess what if that's he lost, right. He, he could have lied about his age. Question number three, the pitcher that does not have 300 saves, Armando Benitez, with 289. Armando Benitez. It shows you what kind of scrub you can be and get close to 300 saves. There you go. <laughs> Question four, the pitcher that has not won a Cy Young Award, Mr. Lee Smith. So, David, you would have got that one wrong. Oh. I think I forgot. <laughs> Question five, the pitcher that has not had a season with a five-plus ERA, Kenley Jansen. Ah. When did Rivera have a five ERA? He had a 5.57 ERA his rookie year. I thought I thought Kenley Jansen, uh, when he was a starter, was like ridiculously bad. Nope. Question number six: the pitcher that never pitched in the AL West was Bob Wickman. Dang it. And number seven: the pit or the pitcher that was not an all-star was Joe Borowski. Everybody else oh. had one appearance. I thought Borowski made it as a Cub. I'm a big loser. Right. I only got three. I got three. Yeah. I got one, but since I missed out on four questions, that pro rate to <laughs> more than that. I, I think yeah, it, I think you're, it pro you're grouped in like with 
<laughs> yeah, the other losers. So <laughs> you round up to three. We're all losers. So yeah. I got Percival, uh, Wickman, and Borowski. Those were the three that I got. I got well, were... Percival and Lee Smith. Well, you know, all of us together, we probably got all seven. There you go. It's true. Um, you know well, what? I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. That's good trivia, man. Yeah, Eric, you did a great job. We're not going to pat Eric on the back anymore for that. So, uh, Bogman, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate having you. This was just a blast. Um, and this was fun. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go take all their money. So. (laughs) So if you can, you want to hear more of Bogman for those that aren't already listening to him, uh, he's Bogman Sports on Twitter, and you can check him out on the various uh, podcasts on in this league. Him and the Welsh provide such great, entertaining sports podcasts. So thank you again, Bog. I appreciate it, boys, uh, and uh, thank you for having me on, and I will talk to you later. Talk to All you right, later, man. Bogman. Thanks.